Do you ever remember the guy, Krispy Kreme? No. Oh. Yeah. yeah, he was in Bozeman right before that. I, I was busy that night, so it was too bad. One of my friends went and recorded some live, and he sounded horrible. Like, <laughs> really? Horrible. <laughs> I, bet. I bet he's not good at all. <laughs> no. Coming to you from deep inside our lofty, heavily fortified bunker, located somewhere in the heart of Middle Earth, the show that doesn't shy away from tough questions or tough answers. Sit back, turn on your brain, and get ready for truth. It's a dirty job, but hey, somebody has to do it. This is the David Allen Show. Uh, we're a special edition of the... I don't know. What, what should we call you guys? Tan and JP take on David Allen Show, too. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Does it stick? I don't know. Uh, Jean Claude is with us, along with uh, his partner in crime, uh, Tanner. So, welcome. Glad to be here. Howdy. Yeah, this is radio. No one can see or not. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, you have to make noise. Come on, fancy pants. Yes. Uh, well, you guys are in town um, because school is out for. For the next kind four of months. For, I mean, both one of you, uh, Jean-Claude here. Um, but Tanner, you don't go to school anymore because nope. you're a dropout. That's good. Dropped out. Um, biggest scam. Education. Biggest scam <laughs> hey. since insurance. Got Ding. my diploma and I dropped out. <laughs> nice. Good work. There it is. Hey. <clears throat> uh, so I thought it'd be fun, since you guys are here and willing, to... Uh, to bring you on the the David Allen show and let's uh let's just talk some current events here. Willing, I, I, I want your take because uh, Tanner lives in the the majestic Montana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, rumors has it that uh, the the state is getting changed to the name of the state's getting changed to Montana. Have you heard that? <laughs> Isn't that just if you talk in Australia or oh, oh, uh, maybe know. in Europe? That's I what think it it's just Montana. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Shrimp out on the bobby. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so what what uh, is going on with you guys? Um, just quickly, um, Jean Claude, you are en route southern to the southern states. Yeah, the headed, southern state of Texas. Headed to Dallas. Nice. Eat some biscuits and gravy and something. I board the plane to China. <laughs> Speaking of that, take a guess. Cost of plane ticket. Ooh. Cost of bike shipment. I'll give you a no. Hold on, hold one on. Guess wait, wait, wait. To where? From where? From Fargo to Dallas, Texas. If you if you guess within ten ten dollars of each, I'll ship you to Dallas, Texas. <laughs> I heard him say it. Ten dollars. <laughs> now you're just gonna make it up now. In non-pressurized right. cargo. So now I know it's garbage. What you're gonna tell us is not true. Um, oh, and non-precious on. cargo. Non-pressurized. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Um, got any guesses? So air airfare for you now this is not this is coach, yeah? Yeah. And 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 a and, and a your bike. bike? Now do you, is that overhead compartment bike or it's shipped in FedEx. <laughs> oh, so it's, you're you're actually packaging it up. I packaged it up, put my two pillows in there actually. You gonna sleep on FedEx? I'm not sleeping, but the bike just needs to make sure it doesn't get too damaged. Oh also, oh so it's just pack buy spend five bucks and buy a packing blanket from Amazon. Uh, you got a pillow you can I do didn't that. think ahead. All right, let's hear a guess. Um, your sh- now is it just ground FedEx? Ground, yeah, probably five days. Okay, so you um to take a bike. Did you tear it apart? 
Or is yeah, it? Yeah, it's taken apart a little bit. So it's similar to the size of what you would actually buy an unput-together bike? Oh, exactly. It's in one of those boxes. Okay. It's still a gigantic bike. It's yeah, still a gigantic pretty bike. Pretty massive. That's true, because you're nine feet tall. But I'm also a big person. Right. The bike's probably four feet off the ground. I would say you're going to have to eat that microphone if you want to be a part of the show. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. Much better. <laughs> I would say the bicycle, 200 and... Nope, 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 nope. Um. 145. And the t- and the plane ticket? Oh, it's both? No. Oh, okay. Comparing them. Oh. Uh plane ticket from Fargo? Minneapolis. What airline? American. American? Yeah, I'm an American. Hey. Do you expect anything less? One one way or round? One trip? way. Oh one oh uh one hundred thirty two dollars. Tan, you got any guesses, bud? Or have I already told you this? You already know how I much- know how much the bike costs. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Was I, okay, how was I on the bike? Was I close? Very far off. What? I'm going to say 226 oh. for the airplane ticket. The t- the plane ticket was cheaper than the bike. Oh, wow. Okay. The bike was, was like- 65. The plane ticket was 52. Oh, wow. I'm Euros? Ca- U.S. doll hairs. Oh, I kind of wow. forgot it was one way, too. That's yeah. crazy cheap, though. Crazy, right? Bike, but the bike's more expensive than me. And they don't throw me around like they're going to throw my bike around. So I feel pretty special. Are you willing to sit in the back of a truck and wander about the country ping-ponging your way down? <laughs> Have you seen the videos of people <coughs> shipping, shipping themselves, themselves? No. across the country? They bring like a gallon jar of Arizona and they drink it and then defecate into it and then miraculously end up at their destination. I think it's pretty fake, but still really fun to see teenagers in their prime. <laughs> okay, speaking of that, the other day... I don't know. I I fell into the trap. I got sucked right in. There was this stupid kid. You know, it's just a face of someone. And kid, I'm I'm I would presume twenty. I mean, there's a good chance he's a twenty year old. Okay. Which but I mean, you know, just almost you guys. Um, he's sitting there. Oh, you know, I'm I'm gonna do a, a pepper eating video, and he's got two jalapeno and <laughs> some red thing. I don't know what it was. <laughs> he's like, I, I, it can't be that bad. People do it. it. Can't be that bad. So I'm gonna eat these and rub it in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> So let's get done. the fact that I watched this is horrible. Eating them is different than rubbing yeah. them in your eyes. And so eyes. he took bites of each of them, and then took the pepper and was dabbing it in his eyes. Oh god! All the way down, every bite he would sh- like shove them in his eyes. It was like a five or six minute long video of this kid freaking out afterward. Did he just dunk his head in the? No, I tub of milk. And then at the very end, all oh, this for a stupid video. <laughs> it's gone. Unfortunately. Three some million views when I saw it. Wow, that's incredible. Have you ever gotten pepper juice in your eyes? Yes, eyeball? it's awful. I touched. I cut a jalapeno one for dinner one time, and then later that night You're I hardcore. forgot and just rubbed my eye. Whoa! Do we not wash it's your like hands? Like you just. Oh well, yeah, but even still, it's like you just shove stuff in your eye. It's horrible. Ugh. When I was and young, it, I worked at a Mexican restaurant, and their salsa was made fresh every day. And yep. I was back there helping them, and. When you cut up jalapenos, wear gloves. Yeah. Oh, a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the new challenge? I heard it on the radio. What? The baby boomers were... Need something the else. Baby need so- boomers now? You guys... Or, what? No, no, you guys... Oh, there, there needs... You guys. Since you're done making fun of us for the Tide Pod challenge... <laughs> I never did that, but that's just stupid. It's moved on to uh, deodorant, spray deodorant, and you put it on your arm until you get frostbite. Upside down? 
I don't even know. I think even if you just hold it and you continually spray it. But yeah, some some girl did it. Got a bunch of YouTube videos, but she has she has to get a skin graft, and they said she might lose her arm. But I wonder if she made enough money on that video to pay for the surgery. I hope so. <coughs> Chances are slim, I assume. Yeah, well, if it's your first video, I don't know how much YouTube's going to give you. She better have built up. Oh yeah, to even get monetized, you have to have a thousand um, subscribers, and. Minimum 400 hours of video view to even get into the monetizing She's toast. window. Mm-hmm. She's toast. Four, no, 400 hours? Yeah. No. Of, of, of combined viewing. Like people have, have oh, viewed your stuff fair. for up to 400 hours. Got it. And, and a thousand subscribers. So, so, good so I'm out. <laughs> yeah. She better post an update video. That's just That's nuts. how she's going to make it. That's, what's wrong with these people? Something. Something real bad. This is the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com. On the, uh, but we're on the Apple Podcasts Store, what they call it now. Um, and on the, for those of you that are still kind of behind the times, uh, on the Android, the Google Play Store as well, the David Allen Show. Um, all right. Let's uh, look a little bit at the day's news. <clears throat> I'm not really sure what I think about this, and so I thought we'd just uh, look at it. Um, in a recent Atlantic article titled The Problem with Satisfied Patients, Alexandra Robbins writes about the economic incentive hospitals face to improve patient satisfaction scores. This is a high-stake issue for hospitals as their bottom line in terms of Medicare dollars is now tied to patient satisfaction scores. Most of these scores derive from a patient survey called HCAHPS. Oh, I know that one. Rely on ratings of the nurses. For example, question, during this hospital stay after you press the call button, how often did you get help as soon as you wanted it? This sounds reasonable on the surface, but then look deeper to see what sorts of issues patients were concerned about when they rated nurse care poorly. Uh, Here's a couple options. Uh, My roommate was dying all night and his breathing was very noisy. (laughs) I hate when my roommate's (laughs) dying. The hospital doesn't have Splenda. A nurse with the New Jersey hospital lacking Splenda said, yeah, this somehow became the fault of the nurse and ended up being placed in her personnel file. Dang. An organ... Hmm critical care nurse had to argue with a patient who believed he was being mistreated because he didn't get enough pastrami on his sandwich. <laughs> he had recently had a quadruple bypass surgery. He needs to <laughs> cut down his pastrami <laughs> intake. They're doing him a favor. <laughs> what exactly do these comments have in common with high quality medical care? Nothing. And yet hospitals are hiring customer relations experts to train hospital staff and nurses in particular in how to become more Disney. Ooh. Now, think of the terrific nurses in your lives. Are they terrific because they act like Disney concierge services to patients? The whole patient satisfaction thing has gotten out of hand. It's a tremendous amount of money being spent in the wrong thing, on the wrong thing. Of course, treating patients with respect and dignity is important. That's not the same thing as satisfaction, however. What do you think about that? Hmm. Should their, like... <laughs> their job performance be based on someone being upset because the hospital may not have had the proper amenities. 
I think that's pretty pretty asinine. <laughs> that's just How, however, mm-hmm. if it's possible to comply with whatever request they have, I think it's fair. Oh, it, because you your hospital try. stay is pretty traumatic in itself. <laughs> but but, but as possible, far as yeah. having your having the hospital's lack of splendor go down in your permanent record, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. What was the other ones? Oh, the the roommate was dying? <laughs> and breathing loud. And breathing loud. Well, you should have paid more for a single room. Yeah, no kidding. Well, but that that's the other thing that really sucks, because you don't typically have a choice in the instances where they have hospital rooms where you have two. It's a two-patient situation. It's not, I, I can't imagine that'd be fun. To sleep by someone who's dying? But no, to share a room with another ill patient in a hospital. Oh, that would yeah. be weird. Wouldn't be fun. Now, I have, I don't believe I've ever been admitted to a hospital. So I don't wow. know. I, d- I don't think I know what that's like. I've, I've stayed in them with people, but not as the patient. So I don't have that, that thing. How much changes are they actually making to this whole customer satisfaction deal? Hang on. Hang on, let's get back in there. <clears throat> Tanner, are you still alive? I'm still alive. Too much Chinese food? <laughs> oh, yeah, you guys did The low main is slowly <laughs> seeping into your tired valve. <laughs> and your body can't handle it. <clears throat> um, trying to digest this whole it, topic. It's the same thing in doctoring, by the way. A recent article in JAMA Oncology by Kim Kimberson Tanko mm-hmm. examined patient perception of physician compassion after more versus less optimistic messages about prognosis. Unsurprisingly, patients were more satisfied with scenarios in which they saw doctors give more optimistic messages to a patient with advanced cancer than less optimistic. Crazy. <laughs> Weird. You know, I had a great experience. <laughs> the doctor said I was going to die. <laughs> but man, I had a great experience there. <laughs> he was so nice when he said it. <laughs> um, how important to you, and this I, I have a, a, a story about it, but how important to you is, do you think, is bedside manner in a doctor's world? It's depending on the doctor. Like what they're doing for you? Well, no, like how they how they are, like their bedside manner, like how they re- relate to the patient, how they talk, how they interact, how they come across, their personality. Is that important or do we just want people that are really good at cutting you open and fixing the broken part? But super cold. But have crap bedside manner. I don't think so. I, I just remember the last time I went to the doctor, I told them, you know, I'm having some problems with my my tummy. Being slow. This was last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a while ago. And yeah. the guy didn't even give me no time of day. He just said, he said, ah, pretty common kids your age. Take some Miralax, drink some water. Now get out. Give me my hundred bucks. Uh, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, that was, you could, I, w- I would say uh, that was some unkind bedside manner. I think and that was pretty disappointing. The more attention they would pay to uh, their patient, and uh, the more 
compassionate they are, ultimately the better in every circumstance. You know, even if they, you know, you kind of have to gauge someone's personality in that kind of a situation. But it takes a little bit of time to do that. So, But at some level, if you're going to be a doctor, you realize you're going to have to deal with people. It's totally a service. All the time. Industry. And you, I don't know, I don't think it's wise to just rely on your nurse to be the personable one. Oh, no. No, definitely room. not. I think you need to have personality. And, but, and you definitely get the those guys who, for some reason, feel like they're this overqualified oh, doctor. Oh, man. And they come out. Uh, All right. Uh, shut up. <laughs> I got 75 seconds to spare on you. No more. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> you know? And then you wonder, why did you even start doing this? Do you think that people that go into the field of doctoring uh, have a version of a God complex? <sighs> Because they definitely are more specific. Hmm? Be more specific. Um, that they are the end all be all. That they should not be questioned, and they are the smartest in the room, and everyone should just essentially, oh, here we like are. bow down and hum when they come in. I don't want to generalize too. Oh, why not? Horribly. What? What? What is it now? I, 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 we have some good friends that are doctors. Yeah. And I don't feel like they have that personality, but I also have some friends that are doctors that have that personality so i i personally know people that are both i think it's more common to see that in um, the medical field Mm -hmm. than in say a uh a florist why do you think that is because they've been in an elite program for the last eight to twelve years of their life i kind of feel like pilots have the same they have to have the same mentality oh fair and I think people that want to be president have to have the same mentality. The kind of people who don't go by their first name because they need to have a doctor attached to it because they earned it. Well, I think it's more, and and I think some of it, most of it, starts legitimate. I really do. Like I, like your convictions for getting involved. Well, I I don't know if it's a conviction, but more the idea that the job responsibility of what you're going to do. You will have the ability to make someone live or die. If you're, you have someone open and you are poking around at their heart, you mess up, they die, mm-hmm. and it's on you. So I think at some level you have to have such confidence that really becomes an arrogance is what it feels like. True. I know my dad had open heart surgery, oh man, three years ago now, <clears throat> and the doctor who did it was a, was a nice guy, but... When he walked in the room, it felt like he assumed everyone would part and bow, and if he needed something, it would just be there. But he also was the guy who has done thousands of open-heart surgeries and bypasses and has cut people open and fixed them and put them back together. Well, I, mean, I think at some point you get you, you get a, an air of confidence, which isn't a bad thing. Well, like the whole process of surgery is streamlined to that, to the effect that, or to the... You know they walk in and everything is pre- prepped for them. Yeah. So how do you? I'm how, here. Yeah. So, so how would you go through that like multiple times per day and not let it become like some sort of a expected like an expectation for you? You know. Yeah, and and don't you also in order to even go into the field, don't you also have to have this thought that you know what, I can do that. For sure. 
you know, you know, going to the political side, someone that thinks they're going to be president, you have to have such a confidence or whatever you want to call that in yourself that, <laughs> or whatever you want I'm to call that. Gonna, I, I can fix it. I'm the yeah. best person in the world to do this. Yeah. I just think that takes a certain level of, I don't know, some would say arrogance. I'm, I'd probably fall in that field of calling mm-hmm. it arrogance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the difference between LeBron James, who's coming in, you know what I mean? where everything is there for him and he has that confidence walking in or someone who is part of a band doing a world tour and they walk in, all the sound checks are done, their instruments are set up, everything's yeah, there for you. They don't even you... touch their pedals anymore on stage. No, and so you go in, you play a show, and then you go back to your, mm-hmm. your tour bus. Your million-dollar coach, yeah. Yeah, and you get mm-hmm. fond over it. People are there to see you. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's intriguing. and Be the, humble. The, well, I don't Sit know down. if it's possible. <laughs> I mean, we have a few doctor friends that are, they don't at all feel, like they don't come across as better than anybody. But I, I know some that do, and it's it almost feels like the ones that have that, that I know, specialize. Mm-hmm. And so you, spe- you you specialize in that field, and that, that's got to feel good and really, like, prop up your ego when people say i have to go to this guy i have this problem and the only person this doctor huh, this doctor again knows nothing i have the answer to this and then you get to go in and you fix that one problem i wonder if they could teach they should teach humility in med school there you go humility service one, humility 110, <laughs> 110. <laughs> introduction to right. humility i just find that interesting that I, I really think that you have to have a certain, well, uh, overconfidence attitude. at some mm-hmm. level. And race car drivers, same thing. Especially motorcycle racers. you got to have some guts like I've never seen to do that. And to do it with confidence. Knowing, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to go fly around this track on two wheels, laid over sideways with my leg dragging on the ground, 200 miles an hour. I'm good. I can do it. <laughs> Maybe a different type of confidence. Different part of your brain working. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> or less parts of your brain working. Fair. What are your right. thoughts on John McCain? John McCain? Yeah. <laughs> Why? People close to Senator John McCain. Yeah. Oh, keep going. Have told the White House that the ailing Arizona Republican does not want President Trump to attend his funeral. Oh. He's, well, he's. And, and would like Vice President Pence instead. So John McCain is fully prepared to die. Well, he he's dead already, I think. He's, I know he? he can't come and vote on. Uh... Okay, now here's another thing: if he can't do the duty that he's elected to, he should not be hold the position anymore. As far as his duty in terms of like getting being to a vo- senator to vote, yeah, like that's that. your job. That is job one: yeah. passing legislation. So you think there could be a at this point should some intern interim. <laughs> Interim. An intern, yes. Intern. <laughs> no, an in, someone fell his space for now. Absolutely. And, and, plan, like, and plan for no, he him should to be return. Done. He should have, and now, this then goes back to this whole God complex at some level. He should have the ability and the humility at this point to say, you know what? I'm done. That's what I well, think. Let's just hope for the best. McCain, 81, has been battling an aggressive form of brain cancer for nearly a year and is back at home in Arizona after he underwent surgery last month for an intestinal infection. 
I don't know how much longer I'll be here, he says to NPR. It just seems like he should be done. And I don't know. I, I, I think there should be term limits across the board. All of them. Term limit them out. I know uh, Jean-Claude and I saw Rick Santorum a few months, weeks ago up at Concordia. Um, and he had a problem with putting term limits on. And I just think that's crap. Oh, yeah, because he wants to be able to work. Yeah, it's garbage, though. There's enough stuff. There's enough people that know the inner workings that are already know the inner workings of the way it works that are there all the time. They're like career people. Yeah. The elected people can come in and... Just need the deep state. That's all we need. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So... My tummy's rumbling. That's really, really neat. Looks like Tan looking across from me. His tummy's rumbling too. China Panda. We give it a. a what? A enthusiastic. 2.7 out of, out of 5. Ooh. <laughs> I thought my fortune cookie was pretty good though. <laughs> what was it? Something about reuniting with friends brings new adventures. Mm-hmm. Look at that, guys. Here we are. It's crazy. You got that today? Got that today. What do you think? You think it's from God? What? The, this this message? Your fortune cookie? <laughs> the random picked fortune cookie? <laughs> God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> say what you will. <laughs> he, he really wants me to know that fortune cookie. Huh. There's been no new adventures. Oh. None or for sure. Dude, we went to a Runnings, Seahawk for Hardware, Barron's Grocery today, and Shopco. And you say there's no new adventures? <laughs> what? Were all of those adventures? Oh my gosh! Yeah, Millbank Adventures. I guess. Are you guys on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm on Facebook right now. Actually, did, did you guys pay attention to the, the Zuckerberg testifying in front of Congress? Yeah, Mr. Senator. <laughs> Not Mister. Was it Mister? Senator? Yes, Senator. No, Senator. Yes, Ma'am. No, no, no Ma'am. Never Ma'am. Facebook no tutorial for dummies, person. and they're all thinking they're gonna stump him. <laughs> it was hilarious. He's another one that I think has a god complex. Uh, hard, hard not to. Oh, well, totally. You become what the second, third richest person in the world from a stupid website. But the. But at least air quotes connects people. Censors information. But at least he wears sweatshirts. Not that's the, the most, Congress. That's the most humble thing you can do. No, no. He's, he's, <laughs> Look, I can relate to you. I I shop at the same store. You think that's it? His are handmade by. <laughs> I have two arms and two South legs, America. just like you. I'm not God. I'm normal. I'm Mark. Does he ever? Does he have a college degree? Who? Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a Harvard grad, I think. No, he, he, dropped he dropped out, out of Harvard. Did he drop out? I, don't, I wonder if he out. ever went back. Mark. Mm, he, he, Zuck Zuckerberg. He, he learned Chinese for a little bit, and then he went on TV one time, and they all said he's fluent. And it fluent? made me mad. College <laughs> well, degree. Well, he is clearly like really smart. I mean, there, there's no question that he's intelligent. I think. 
Let's see. Education, Harvard University, 2002 to 2004. He's got a a man. He's got an associate degree from Harvard. (laughs) Is that how that works? (laughs) You drop out after two years. Okay, so what? Why do they give him that? Why do they? Why do they? Why do they list on Wikipedia that his education is at Harvard? He didn't even finish his degree. But it is because he went there. I could take an online class there, probably. Do it, and then you create you create the hookup site that he did. That cre- made Facebook yeah. what it was. He does his best to kick that part of the story <laughs> out of me. Kind of the carpet. Yes, I. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it started, but it is. Right. It's not part of what we what were we just do young now. college kids. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, what do you say? That is a correct representation of the first thing I did before I did Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at his wife, and her her name is Priscilla Chan, followed by parentheses philanthropist parentheses. How do you become a philanthropist? You marry into money <laughs> so you can give uh, it away. Priscilla Chan is an American pediatrician oh. and philanthropist. She is married to the co-founder and CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. Born and raised in Massachusetts, she attended Harvard for undergrad and received her medical degree. She's the smart one from the University of California, San Francisco. Mm. In December 2015, Chan and Zuckerberg pledged oh brother, to 99%. donate 99% of their Facebook shares Valued at $45 billion. Is it? To the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Wow. A political action company that focuses on health and education. As of 2016, they've pledged more... Okay. As of 2016, they've pledged more than $4.6 billion to charity. The line above it says <laughs> they're going to donate 99% of their shares valued at $45 billion. It and doesn't happen given, overnight. Is that a tenth or is that a hundredth? That's a tenth. Tenth of that. Yeah. Still, it doesn't happen overnight, right? Bullcrap. That's good stuff. <laughs> Does charity... Okay, here, here's a deep question. Does charity work? Does charity from the uber-rich really matter? Or is it? Or do you mean... Or, or is, is it, it just virtue something- signaling for them? Is it just a moral self-license that then they well, get to it, say they're doing something. Gates and all of them. It's also probably a requirement more than anything. But why? Because when you have an exorbitant amount of money that is not benefiting to you whatsoever, it's kind of just... It's, Who I, gets to determine what's benefiting to me or not? I think I think everyone can pretty much understand that. It's a societal expectation. True, exactly. That's good. But all, but yeah. But based on what? Based on the fact that there's nothing else that money can buy. Like once you, I don't know. <laughs> once you have to start building extra things to store your extra things that you bought. Oh, I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing that they shouldn't give money away. Oh, I yeah. I, I'm intrigued with the idea that it's a requirement at some level or an expectation. I think it's an expectation. That if they don't, they're bad people. Well, really? So what about the person that doesn't have billions of dollars extra? Maybe they have $5 extra. Are they expected to give 10% of that away? No. <laughs> why why are the uber wealthy held to a different standard? Because they have the they have the power to If it's a percentage, does it matter? 5 So so that's okay. So we're okay with Gates jumping in the game and vaccinating to a potential lethality the third world. Okay. Under his charity. Yeah. And we're and that's cool because Do you he's think they're rich. If he's a be- if it's of benefit. I mean, 
Well, you, we can benefit? we can we can it can be disputed for days over whether how beneficial certain charities are. <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. I mean, because everyone has their opinion, and and obviously those things are like get f- money funneled from them in certain ways. Yeah. But I I think if they're making a active effort to donate back, they're doing what they need to. Oh, I didn't realize this pledge they made. Yeah. Was in an open letter that they posted to Facebook to their newborn daughter. In that letter, they pledged to donate 99% of their Facebook shares to the Zuckerberg Chan Initiative, which is their new charitable foundation. I bet their daughter was touched. You think so? The newborn? Yeah. I bet she gave a crap. She loved it. It's like (laughs) birthday parties for babies. Really? I think no matter what, Celebration for parents. Those uber wealthy are going to end up paying that money in taxes. <laughs> and so they give it off as tax write-offs. I oh. have. Th- that makes more sense to me. Well, you can direct. From, you from, can like, at least like, direct from, it. Oh, sure. Where it's going. If that's the thing you're but into. But I, I think my problem, though, is it appears to be that because you have money, it is expected that you give that money away. Why? Because I'll tell you what, I don't believe that Zuckerberg took any money from anybody. His wealth is not because he went and took it from someone else. So you're saying he shouldn't, he has no, he does not have to give it back? I don't, why should he? Why should anyone have to give it back? If he's paying his taxes, which are legally his obligation, if he's doing that, why should he have to give anything else? Now, again, I'm not saying he shouldn't. But why Why should he be required at some level? I just societally expectation that. You have a excess amount of goods that are not yeah. benefiting you and could provide some serious help for someone else. So if I have an extra bedroom in my house, should I be housing someone? Yeah. Always? <laughs> yeah. If but it's like but but that see that's not an expectation that's put would, out there by society. Why not? Because that's a little bit more uncomfortable. Okay, so it's all feels good. So it's just this is all just fuzzy. Okay. Well, society speaking. What is the goal? You know, like it's the American dream, right? Well, generally, the American dream is to own your own house, to have a boat, and two and a half kids. I think not yeah, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> not anymore. We're moving off the cabins. <laughs> Millennial <Sorry>. dream. <laughs> the, the goal is to have an apartment loft <laughs> above a Trader Joe's. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would love that. <laughs> and use cloth bags everywhere you go. <laughs> you wouldn't need to if you live above Trader Joe's. You just go down you for toss one it up or what? <laughs> you have a one of the Food elevators. <laughs> Shoot it up. It's like yeah. a dumb waiter from the store. Yeah. No, but it's like, metaphorically speaking, those people have gotten like to the finish line of the American dream. Oh, so, so, like so they should be like helping the people racing after them? Yeah, exactly. Huh. Like that's not what I believe by far, you know, but I think that's how society almost views it, you know, may, maybe subconsciously. But it's like these people have gotten to success. Mm-hmm. And so then they're just hanging around. So it's like, okay, we're also a group of people that believe in socialism. <laughs> so well, like, kind of. Not I'm I mean, right. Speaking. Society doesn't really know what socialism is, but our, they, our they, American they, view right. of socialism. Yeah, they think it's all fun, and, and what it means is the people that don't have anything or don't want to work for it will get something. That's mm-hmm. what they're hoping, and so it sounds great because I'll get crap. Right. Exactly. And so then that mixed with the first part that I said equals. You need to start blessing these charities and start blessing us. 
since you've already gotten to success. Okay. I think that's interesting. But think about this. You got a whole a whole room full of really weak people working out in the gym. And they're all doing all their push-ups and sit-ups, but they're not making any changes, right? And then you have the one big strong guy in the corner who has somehow found some secret <laughs> to success. And he's already gotten to the point where he wants to be, right? He 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 has everything he needs. He's already above the, he's already placed himself above them and there's no way that they're ever going to catch up to him and at that point he has no reason but not to go and share whatever am i cutting out i no, i think that uh, were you cutting out in your head yeah oh i think that would uh fall under a just an envious mind from the other people because to say that that guy who has reached his physical like performance he's good he doesn't need to go farther he's, he's made it now yeah. nobody that works out ever makes it because as soon as you get going you think oh, i did that i can go more and that's why people stand in front of a train thinking they can stop it it's a it's a problem when you do that so that part's not necessarily good but um why would that person think i made it so now i'm going to help those people make it what what in them would make them do that? If the gym said you don't have to pay <laughs> for your subscription anymore, you know what that, that that's it totally yeah that's hilarious. Well, then there's, I was told and you there's a incentive, page, but that's funny. And that's incentive. That's, that's, right. that's the tax write off. Absolutely. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's <laughs> hilarious. You guys are cynical. <laughs> I again I'm I'm totally game for helping. That that's wonderful. But I just don't understand this idea that it is a, a social requirement. Yeah, but you guys hijacked my example. <laughs> <laughs> you guys suck. I'm sorry. <laughs> if only my headphones would have cut out, I would have been still going on this one. Did they really cut out? Yeah, they were. I thought are I was fumbling with the cords. Oh, oh, I see. Sabotage. <laughs> no, he was. Are you biting on him? The mice. <laughs> mouse in the house. This no, is the David Allen show, yeah? I don't think the tax write-off thing is a bad thing because it, it gives people incentives to I, give to charities. I, I think that's I awesome. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Totally. Now, what do you think about the tax structure that gives people money that they didn't earn? I think it's taken advantage of too much. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think it should be a lot harder to to obtain. Okay. Yeah, it's the idea that we have like this global commons that if things can be exploited, they will. Uh, it's kind of an expectation that we have to have, but at the same time, I think it's important to con- like continue making that a possibility. Um, but yeah, like you said. Um, finding ways to make sure it really gets targeted to people who are looking towards making forward progress and not just... Right. Well, I mean, in a perfect world, I'm someone who, on the extreme end of things, feels like every single issue when it comes to world hunger, homeless people, foster kids, uh, everything on that spectrum of things should be taken care of by the church in the world. 
as opposed to by society. As opposed to the government or society. Um, but I know that will never happen. So it's like, uh, in that case, I'm okay with that surplus money being able to try to help people out. But that's ultimately where I would stand on things. But who gets to call the shot and determine where it goes? That, that, that I think, is the question, really. Because when you... When you put that responsibility onto a an elected governmental body at some level, then you get into the thing, well, we can change and craft how that money gets used by who we vote in. It's the same reason if you allow that it, it, it was the the issue with the minimum wage in South Dakota back a couple of years ago. When you put on the ballot, you will get a raise. It's going to pass. There's just no way it's not going to pass. Because when you allow the citizens to vote themselves stuff, they will do it. Now, they don't give a rip because no one tells them, and no one, and they don't believe that that stuff comes from someone. Right on. And so you're going to get it somehow from somebody. Proportionally, it's not, you know, for most people, it would, you think of like a stimulus package and things like that. Well, I'm thinking just to, to, to demand that a business pays a minimum wage. And then to, to to let the public then vote that that goes up. So the public gets to decide based on a majority what every business in the state is required to pay them. Because when you allow people to vote themselves stuff, they will. But I, I mean, putting things in place to avoid exploitation... Oh, there's nothing wrong with 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 trying to level I or to to eliminate um, fraud and eliminate abuse. That's that makes sense, and to eliminate cheating. That's one of the things that I I heard from Jordan Peterson. He said you you do need regulation to stop people getting ahead and succeeding um, by cheating. That makes sense, but when you control how people can succeed, period, then you run into big problems. So I, I think we, us two, Craig, we probably, <clears throat> we'll probably, uh, we probably agree um, on, uh, wait, is this Between Two Ferns? <laughs> That's a good show. Hmm. We probably agree on the idea of small government, big totally. government, and who's involved on. Uh, well, maybe um, do we? <laughs> I am yeah. sure we do. We, um, yeah. But a couple examples. So you have a a country, um, or even just a small local government. Let's use like Mexico City for example, right? Um, so you're going outside of the U.S. currently yeah. to make this example, right? Okay. Um, you have a situation where the government is not involved very much in everyday life uh, for the specific people. Or maybe let's even go farther south in Mexico City. Um, let's even maybe go to a third world country, right? <clears throat> Situations where the government is not very involved with the people and they don't have a good system of uh, welfare for the people. Um, you strictly have to rely on the culture and the people to hold each other together 
right? It's either the wage gap grows completely or you have to depend on those people around you to be able to stay afloat if you're falling below and vice versa. If you're someone who is um, very prosperous, you would have to help those below you, correct? Well, I, I think yes, but that is built in. Like we're designed with that. What is it? Would that be empathy? The the care, like that's our moral code that's built into us to care for people. Yeah, but I don't really agree. Like I don't think. Like I think us. I think we are evil people, and I think that's just natural. I think true truly is. And that you can see it all over the world. Um, but why do we say something is wrong, morally wrong? I read a sweet book about this. I would, yeah? Be, I wish I could pull up the first, um, the opening paragraph. I'm going to look. You guys keep going. So, I mean, that's situation one. Mm-hmm. Um, theoretically, if we were doing, to put that situation in place in America where we have a very, very small government and we got rid of our government welfare program and uh, essentially went without taxation for a lot of those programs. Um, You would strictly have to rely on the community and the people to hold themselves together. So are you saying that we are down the road too far? In which, in which way? Like, like we've gone too far down the road of relying on the government to do it. Uh, depends on the it depends on the place. Depends on if you're in an urban setting or a rural setting. Um, I was just in San Diego and I saw a homeless man, and I literally saw this with my own eyes: a homeless man in his sleeping bag on the sidewalk with a new iPhone watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> what a paradox! You know wow. what I mean? So it's like th- those are things that you just don't think about. When you think of homeless people in Montana or South Dakota, mm-hmm. you know, because they're just different, you know, Mon- Mon- <clears throat> so often Montana, <laughs> so often those a lot of those people choose that lifestyle. Yeah. And there are ways for them to get out of it, but they don't. Right. You know what I mean? So it's interesting, but you would almost have to fully rely on a culture that can support each other. And that would take a fully generous, non-selfish group of people and i'm saying it is possible but i don't say i don't think it's probable why why isn't it probable because people are evil do do you think it's that or it's because we have become so reliant on we're going to get the check from the government like our the agency is going to pay us i i just don't believe that there is enough willpower for for honestly the suffering that will happen for a generation for the government to pull back or get pulled back. I would love to see it happen. Oh, totally. But I honestly, to do it, there's a generation that's going to suck. There will be, yes. It'll be chaos mm-hmm. for a little while in mm-hmm. some situations. Yeah. Uh, in a town, a uh, small little town in South Dakota or mm-hmm. a small little town in Montana, uh, I don't think you would see it. I don't think you would see the problem at all because there's not necessarily a drive for that prosperity. And there's more so a balance of uh, caring for your next-door neighbor. Yeah, you don't have the projects just simply because the population isn't there. Right, and so depending on where you're at, you Mm -hmm. know, if you're in small-town America, um, 
you know, if you look at the map of population throughout the United States, mm-hmm. who's going to suffer most? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's going to be the all along the east and the west coast. And then the larger, mm-hmm. you know, metro areas. Right. Those are going to be kind of chaotic. But I feel like the rest of America, which happens to, you know, there's still a lot of uh, economic pull and drive throughout I, the rest of those. I got something for you guys. Okay, what's up? <clears throat> so this is a book that I started reading. I'm probably halfway through it. And it's called The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided on or Divided by Politics and Religion. Um, his name, the author's name is Jordan Height. Seems like he, I'm just typing him in now. He was on Jordan Peterson's podcast like last in February. So maybe you missed it. Maybe you didn't. Anyways, I want to read the opening, the, the opening pages of the book, which is what got me into it. Um, and I'll read it real quick. I think you'll find it pretty interesting. You ready? Yep. I'm going to tell you, oh, chapter one. Where does morality come from? <laughs> I'm going page? to tell you a brief story. Pause after you read it and decide whether people in the story did anything wrong morally anything morally wrong. So this is like looking at the problems of where our moral where our morality comes from, where our, if our moral code is actually something that's set, more how moral reasoning factors into it, whether or not we actually um if if we reason our morals, if our morals come from some inherent inherent higher power, um, and then how we're able to express because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, this is how it's, it should happen. And it should happen because of this. But I don't have a way to explain it. And then you come up with these haywire reasons to um, justify it. Anyways, here we go. So decide whether or not the people in the story did anything morally wrong. A family's dog was killed by a car in front of their house. They heard that the dog meat was delicious. So they cut up the dog's body and cooked it and ate it for dinner. Nobody saw them do this. Mm. If you are like most well-educated people in my studies, you felt the initial flash of disgust, but you hesitated before saying the family has done anything morally wrong. After all, the dog was dead already, so they didn't hurt it, right? And it was their dog, so they had to, they had a, plain, a right to do what they wanted with the carcass, no? If I pushed you to make a judgment, odds are you'd give me a nuanced answer, something like, well, I think it's disgusting, and I think they should have just buried the dog, but I wouldn't say it was morally wrong. Okay, here's another challenging story. A man goes into a supermarket once a week and buys a chicken. Before cooking the chicken, he has sexual intercourse with it. Then he eats it. He cooks it and eats it. Once again, no harm. Nobody else knows. And like the dog-eating family, it involved a kind of recycling that is, as some sort of research subjects pointed out, an efficient use of natural resources. But now the disgust is so much stronger and the action just seems so degrading. Does that make it wrong? If you're an educated and politically liberal Westerner, you'll probably give another nuanced answer, one that acknowledges a man's right to do what he wants as long as he doesn't hurt anyone. But if you're not a liberal or libertarian Westerner, you probably think it's wrong, morally wrong, for someone to have sex with a chicken carcass and then eat it. For you, as for most people on the planet, morality is broad. Some actions are wrong, even when they don't hurt anyone. Understanding the simple fact that morality differs around the world and even within societies is the first step towards understanding your righteous mind. The next step is to understand where these many moralities come from in the first place.
Why did that stand out to you? Thoughts? Why, why did that make you want to read the book? Why did that make... Because I think it's insanely fascinating to look at... Because all the decisions we make are somewhat based off of whatever whatever experience or whatever coding you could say in our minds that we every everything we do is a reaction to something right and each of us will react to a situation a different way so looking at where these reactions come from and why we will act in different ways given different inputs um and then be I mean, on the on the face value, I mean, just the first two questions that pose, they make you think. And I think that's reason enough to be interested in continuing the book, but also it's just an interesting subject. What do you guys think? Have any thoughts? Well, I mean, a lot of that's considering you don't have a moral guideline that you live by. Right, and that's like one thing he looked at, like he tried to, survey all these different demographics and figure out how they how how their actions or how their like answers and reactions compare and contrast to different um societies societies. yeah so like like the case of the chicken he found that like overwhelmingly every single (laughs) i think every single group his his moral west or liberal westerner standard was yale college students and they were the only group that were the ones that had that said that um responded to the chicken story as yeah you know i don't think um like i don't agree like i don't think it's uh you think it's wrong but it's not something that's morally wrong whereas everyone else in the study came to the conclusion that's morally wrong and then you have to get to the to try to find a way to and everyone has a different, but everyone had a different reason to, um, like did, a different reasoning. For does it. he break them out in the book? Yeah, like the the answers and the reasons. Yeah, I should bring that book. You should. I I think it's it was fascinating, but I'm looking here at. <laughs> well, I was just trying to find like Christian scripture to, like, because I know it talks about it in the in the old law, you know, specifically eating like doves? bestiality. Well, there's one verse in Exodus that literally says, whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Yeah, but but then it comes down to, like, we like you have that in, on immediate, like, immediately after hearing it, like, that's wrong. And then you go find a way to justify it because you know it's wrong, but you might not, ha- you don't have, like, a certain answer for it direct, like, directly, right? So you looked, you looked up scripture. Well, then, I knew but, of that one specifically. But, but. but that's fair. But you, but then you have other societies who will have the exact same immediate reaction, but then they'll pull off of something else to say, you know, this is this is why it's wrong. Right. I mean, it all depends on what your moral guideline is. And and then that comes down to whether or not our moral guideline is something we're all programmed with, that uh, we all share a collective moral code, or if your morality is actually just a product of your upbringing and whatever experiences you've had in the past. Well, I I think it's clear that if you grow up in a family where you go buy a dog, raise it to a puppy from a puppy, and then you eat it, then that becomes normal. Mm -hmm. I think if you grow up in a society where it's acceptable to do a procreation act with a dead animal, I mean, that... 
that has so many other implications of your mental state. Like, I don't believe that has anything to do with a moral conditioning. I mean, that sex is such a uh, an emotional and a at some level a spiritual thing that to do that to an inanimate. I mean, I guess it would fall in the same line of a sex robot, a doll. Mm-hmm. I I don't think this this is not good. It it shows a mental. Well, I don't, state I, issue, <laughs> and I don't think anyone can sit here and disagree that this is disgusting. But everyone's going to have different reasons for justifying or for disagreeing with it, right? Yours is rooted off of the idea of the absolute, like the dang it, the sanctity of of perhaps intercourse with magnificence what <laughs> but they're the importance but i don't but then you have uh the their other and then the, an example in the book was um indians who live who are who follow a caste system and when they're reborn whether or not they acted well in this life will decide whether or not they're born into a um higher level mm-hmm. in their second life or their third life that's, that's Presumed, told, and that's mm-hmm. so totally different. Because I mean, for them, I guess having sex with a chicken would screw their chances of <laughs> maybe, <laughs> mo- maybe moving, not of moving up the ladder. Maybe it's a chicken god. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Maybe that's the only way. So, yeah. So, do you think that the implication of the author of this book is to prove, at some level, that the moral compass that our societies hold are nothing more than a construct of society. I think he's getting it at solving that. I I haven't I haven't read enough in it to completely get his take on it. But it but like from what I can tell is it's he's really looking at how our society and our where we are plays into how we address how we how like what we would call our moral compass like what that how that actually goes into tuning our moral compass and so i think it seems like from what he's found so far that it really comes down to whatever experiences and societies you were brought up in whereas i think some people a lot of people are under the assumption that a moral code is just this universal thing that is present with everyone and no, you travel the world enough, and you'll see that that's definitely not the case. But it's definitely relative. And that, yeah, and that's. But I think, but I, you would definitely find people who feel another way. Right. Okay. So I I uh, heard a podcast the other day. It's called Boy versus Girl. Kind of an interesting show. Is that the title of the show? <laughs> yeah. The episode. Yeah. No, the podcast. Okay. And it's it's a guy and a girl. Uh, they're thirties and forties, something. I don't know. And they their idea is they bring together. Uh, a story. They each bring a story, and it has to do with gender, at some at some level. Like it has to do with how gender is perceived, and um, but and you can look it up. It's on the Apple Podcast Store. Um, but they had one the other day where uh, it was just a really quick snippet. The guy wanted to tell a story. Um, he went to a Native American event and did something there. Um, they were doing. I don't know. If, I can't remember if it was like a. They were. Um, consecrating something or doing anyway they were doing something where it was ritualistic okay and the um 
I, I think he might have been speaking to a fire. I don't know. It's been a few days. Um, he said he saw the men. The women said said nothing, and the men did the emoting, in in the thing, like in the event. And he thought in himself, well, that's not very nice. They should allow the women to do this. And then he thought, wait a second, how can I come in and tell them how their societies are supposed to work? And then he thought, wait a second, maybe I am supposed to come in and tell them how their societies are supposed to work because we're more enlightened than they are. And so clearly the way they're doing it is wrong because it's not the way we have been enlightened to know that women and men are identical and we do the same thing and there's no difference. Um, and it was interesting. So should should we attempt to uh, push at some level our the way we think it's correct on other cultures the strange thing is is I don't know we're living in such a short snippet of humanity regardless of how old you think the world is and these cultures have obviously not died out to this point you know like they've they've had they have this deep tradition that has carried them throughout ages and we're living in this tiny, tiny bit of the existence of the world. And to think that we have the perfect ideas and we need to be imposing that on whoever lacks them. Yeah, that that, that seems the job of the left and the feminist movement, though, right. to, I mean, to impose but, on, on societies. And we could say that that is the purpose of evangelicals at the same time. Well, but look at um look at nature. How how does a pack work in the wolf family? You have a head. Huh? You have roles. Absolutely. And male and female have different roles they play. Mm-hmm. It's extremely natural. And so for us to say well well on one hand to say we are nothing more than animals and so we can do what we want because we're you know, it doesn't matter, we're just evolved animals. Yep. Then on the other hand, to say, well, we clearly, we are all the same. Men and women are identical and have zero difference in how they respond, how they act, what they should be doing, the things in society, um, the roles they play in the family, to to claim that that has no bearing on anything. And that it's just a construct. Yeah, it's just a construct of society. If that's the case, then it's the construct of every natural society that they are so Mm -hmm. intelligent that they've figured out the men have pushed the women down in the lion tribe. And I just can't agree with that. Well, I I just have a hard time with with I don't know how you can hold both of those sides. I don't know how you can hold both views there mm-hmm. and be and have a rational thought. I think it's one or the other. Yeah. What was this podcast called? This one. Yeah, boy and girl. Oh, boy versus girl. Is it all uh talking about gender roles? Yeah. And some, sometimes it's pretty fascinating, just the the stuff they talk about. Did you? What did you think about Rick Santorum's idea of gender roles? It uh, remind me again, his premise. Let me think. It was. The idea that is it that man? Let's think. I wrote it down. 
break it, it out. It must not have um, stuck it with me. It must not have stuck that good. Yeah. I can't even remember it. I didn't write it down. It must not have been asinine enough. <laughs> Sorry, Rick. What are your views on what the where the line is of as a superpower going into other cultures and a super to, you mean like going into the Middle East and imposing and imposing our Western society on them? Mm-hmm. Or anywhere in the world. I mean, obviously, we can agree you shouldn't be going in saying, like, these are Hot Pockets, and this is the Super Bowl, and this is how we do it, and, you know, this is how you have to do it. But football just... or football? Which one is it? <laughs> but, I mean, it's obviously, soccer. I think everyone can agree us going over and bringing giant trucks that are digging wells and giving communities clean water and stuff is a good thing. And I, I, water technology. I would assume. Technolo- yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, hmm? those are two commons that i think everyone could agree on well and, and i i think so um but then you get into uh the gulf war the iraq war you know w- afghanistan we've been there for how many years 15 20 years we've been over there with live ammunition on the ground 17 years you know what's the at what point is that unacceptable and inappropriate because because of the Reasoning for being there? Is that what you mean? Well, I mean, we go there, we tear down the regime, and then we do what? Yeah. We prop them up. We throw money at what? Well, right, like, we we just pulled out of Iraq, and they're making all these appeals for money, and we have completely kept our hands away from aiding any sort of rebuilding. And I think that's that's something that's problematic. I mean, we're kind of shifting now towards... Like national yep. security, foreign policy issues, but but like to get to get involved to de- be involved in all the destruction and then be like, oh well, we were here for so long, and no one helped us as much as we would have liked, so we're gonna be out, and you guys can find funding to rebuild whatever we destroyed. Uh, that's problematic. Well, who do you think you you think that's a government thing that the government needs? needs to in do that, that, in that, that's what I'm saying. In that, when we're talking about like foreign foreign policy, then yeah, if if they if the government was responsible i mean if they played such a major role in the destruction even if it even if it has positive benefits in the future i still think especially i think the role of war the role of just war after the war is over is to clean up to yeah exactly mm-hmm. lack of better terms to clean up and to just like we follow rules to go into war and follow rules in war it's follow rules are we in war, war. When the war gets over. Have we gone to war? Never. When was the last time war was actually declared in the U.S.? In the U.S.? <laughs> 2001. So in the no U.S.? war declared? In yeah. the U.S.? Declared war on terror. When, when did we get on... When <laughs> you can't <laughs> declare war on nothing. <laughs> you can't what? declare war on an ideology. That's something we should argue sometime. The idea of terrorism. And what is terrorism? Is is the Las Vegas gun shooter? Is he a terrorist? Or right? Because this is like one of the hot the hotbed issues. He invoked terror, but he didn't have any purpose behind it. And then, well, they, they they couldn't ascribe any to him. Right, and so so does that mean does does that mean he was if he wasn't moving and trying to further a 
a religious cause. Well, it but, does, but it that, could be any cause. Well, but that really is kind of the definition, though. Is you you almost have to be pushing a religious I mean, cause. I think it's, to be considered like radical terrorism. Right, and that's a problem that people have because they say as soon as it as soon as it uh, Islam is attached to it that it becomes terrorism. But a Christian man shooting in Las Vegas isn't isn't terrorism, right? But then, right? Have, have you heard of, or is this just in my circle? <laughs> so we've had what? this we've had this argument. What like that? I'm I'm under the notion that if this this man did not have s- intentions at f- he did not have any sort of like convictions that were moving him to make to go and shoot up the concert. But, right? but you are absolutely buying into the idea that he shot these people. Right? Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Okay, I'm yeah. just making sure. But but he had but he but he did it because he was this deranged man, not because he was trying to move something forward. So under the direct translation of, or the direct definition of terrorism, he doesn't he doesn't fit the part, right? And so, but but also other people would say, you know, he's trying to, he's committing acts of terror. He's terrorizing people. So it would be terrorism. The unlawful use of violence and intimidation, especially against civilians in the pursuit of political aims. Political aims, exactly. Hello, media. What? You, you <laughs> did it for the media? No, 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 no. Unlawful use of violence and intimidation. Oh, you're saying the media is te- are terrorists? How terrorist could they terror not organizations. be? <laughs> By definition, <yeah>. almost. <laughs> That's kind of scary. <laughs> uh, did Did you look into the details? Because the body cam footage came out of the Vegas shooter recently. Like they finally released it. Did you look into that at all? No. The The nutso part is when they went into the room. None of the windows were broken. I don't believe that. Oh, hello, it's you the police the body outside, cam. Dude. No, 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 no. When you the sa- police went in the room, based on the body cam footage, the windows were not broken. But the but this guy had seventeen guns and booby traps. Three, I think. And he had two floors. No, that, that's not the point. Uh, the the point. Why were why when the cops went in the room? Ba- this is now, the cops are pulling our chain. Then, why would they release this body cam footage if? It's not accurate. If we believe their story, which their story changed so many times during that whole thing. Why is it that we have no motive and there's no resolve to this event yet? When was this? Was it November? Uh, October. October. That's a long time ago. October 9, something like that. Okay. I was shooting a wedding that day, so. You were doing what to a wedding? <laughs> Ooh, trigger words. Photographing a wedding. Photographing a wedding. No. You ate the wedding after it got hit by a truck? You weirdo. It's terrible. No, uh, I yeah, I don't know. But I think there's a So qu- so, terror, so so are you thinking that he should be classified in the same category as terrorism? I I don't I someone that would me, do that? Me, I don't I I think it does not fit the definition of terrorism. Oh, okay. But but if you go on I I think it's a heavily disputed which part? The terrorism piece? The definition, of the applying the definition of terrorism to certain cases. Okay. And that was one that people had a lot of problem over because, because it's inevitable that if a Muslim commits an act of terror that there's, the, like, there are automatically, people are under the, the assumption that there will automatically be a religious 
motive to it. Okay, right? so here's a question I have for you. It is obvious and clear, and I don't think anybody would dispute this, maybe a few crazies, but for the most part, no one with a mind, that Muslims are not all out to murder Western people. Correct. I, I just think that's clear. Now, I, I'm fine to look at that and go, okay, great. Not all Muslims are bad. Perfect. I'm game. That's all. Yes. But then when you look at the, the let's call them the terrorists, the radical terrorism yeah. perpetrators, when the majority by far of them happen to be a part of this other thing, why then is it outrageous for us to go, you know what, this other thing, we understand not everybody in there is that, but all of these people or most of these people that are doing the bad stuff happen to be in your circle, so we're going to look at that group differently. Why, why, why is that bad? Well, just think about even in Christianity too, Islam is a religion, Christianity is a religion. There's so many different different branches of it and so many ways for people to get completely lost. And one of the things they say about radical terrorists, the ones that are committing the crimes, is they absolutely have no religious footing for what they're doing. And so their connection to their relig their connection to their religion is not so it's not like they're they're enlightened and they found like this profound meaning through the religion. No, it's this it's like a warped understanding and warped translation. And that's where it comes from. And well, so to I think to put all that together because we would not, we would not want any, we wouldn't want, if there's some crazy church, I don't know, doing some crazy things and they're Christians, then do we want, do we want to be lumped into that or do we want to ha be able to disconnect ourselves from that, right? If there was a group of Christians that was going around and they were bombing people regularly, yeah. Cutting people's heads off, taking hostages, torturing, murdering people. It would make logical sense to look at everyone that fits in that category. That makes perfect sense to me. And and how productive is that? It's extremely productive. Ask Israel. Ask Israel what? Their uh their airline security measures. The metal they profile. detectors and they all profile that stuff? like crazy. But they have the safest security programs in the world. Because they profile. It's not because they're against people. It's because a lot of the people that have been doing this bad thing happen to fall in this category of people. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this category of people a little bit harder. Okay, now, but we're not going to treat them like if, ants. If, if right? the terrorists were smart, they would start trying to recruit people that didn't do what they're doing, that weren't part of their religion. The problem is it is part of that milieu they're in. Yeah. Now, I, I have listened to a few um, Arab speakers over the years that will claim with tons of research that I don't have in front of me that Islam is, by definition, a murderous religion. It is in the Quran. Like, those, the things that these radicals do are in there. And the people that claim that it's not just don't understand Islam properly, but it is what they're called to do. Now, I'm not uh, part of that, and so I don't know. So it's like the definition of jihad is political. Oh. It's like a reactionary thing. 
And I'm not. And, and I, I'm no Quran expert by any means, but the people that I have listened to, and some of them are ex-Muslim. So there's two two definitions. A struggle or fight against the enemies of Islam. And the struggle within oneself is sin. So you have a greater jihad and you have an internal jihad. Okay. And the greater jihad is the one that gets construed to be this uh, war against the West, right? Well, but, it's not so much the West. It's against the people that are not Right, because we want to get back to... Sure. Yeah. It, it's, the sa- it, it, it's a similar reason, less the violence, that the LDS church ships out all their youth to proselytize their religion. LDS. Mormons. Oh. Yeah. I, I have I have a problem with saying that. I mean, and I... It's not like I've ever read the Quran, but I have a problem with saying that Islam is a religion of violence and murder. But... um, how Why... Now, just... This is by no means meant offensive. Yeah, what's up? But why... How can you make that claim and not have read it? Just like, just like the way you're making the claim, and not having read it. Well, because but, of, because of things that I've read, because of things that I've heard. Well, I, I, I've heard both. I've heard the side as well. Right. But I've heard enough, and well, I guess it depends on the people. You can also listen, to find people that say the Earth is flat still. It's convincingly. I mean, it's amazing how convincing these people are at the Earth being flat. And so it's simple. So, I mean, you, me, both of us, everyone in the room, we, I mean, for me to say I know without a shadow of a doubt that it is this. That's why I said I well, have a problem. Well, that's true, right. I have a right. problem. But, but I, I don't have a problem. I have a problem because there's been enough people that have laid it out for me that it is, and they've pointed to passages in the Quran that it is what these radicals think it is. It's just like the I've, I've been watching a... Um, a uh, pastor from Arizona named Jeff Durbin. And his the bulk of his ministry is witnessing and being a missionary to Mormons. And he uses <laughs> their Bible and the Bible to to prove to them that the God they serve is not the God of the Bible based on their revelations that they've had and Joseph Smith and the different books that they have, the Book of Mormon and all that. Mm-hmm. That that it's it, it he he lays out absolute. I mean, th- he's he's not saying this is my opinion. He said here's this is the passage where the Bible says this, and this is the passage where the Book of Mormon says this, and they contradict. They can't be the same thing. And so that and so then they have to be under the assumption that the Bible is the true. Well, that is the absolute argument all the Mormons use. Mm-hmm. But and, well, and that's, but, and that's but, totally but, fair. Well, but but it's not in that. And one thing that I really loved about this guy, his name is Jeff Durbin. Um, he said, if you don't like or agree with the translation of the Bible, you learn Greek and translate it yourself, because the documents exist. You can the original documents exist. We don't have somebody that wrote it, pulled it out of the sky from their head, and wrote this book. And claimed it was from God. We have these documents that the translation came from. We don't have a, a, a Muhammad or a Joseph Smith who has been enlightened. But you have a document that has been compiled from 
tons of different authors, even in the same verses and the same chapters. And then it gets down to literary styles, people, how people actually narrate events. Right. But right? Th- the point is, though, we have the documents that are in the original language. Okay. But, but, so, what so that, if, but what does that prove, no, though, the, just no. because? Well, I, I don't, well, well, the point is they stand on this. The, the translation oh, okay. from these documents was wrong in your book, but in our book, our translation book is, right. is correct. Okay. If you don't like our translation, go do it yourself then. If Okay, so that's that's like the assumption that the That the original, translators were, the, were wrong. Uh, okay. Because they're, all, they're coming from the same original text. Okay. And they're claiming that it was translated incorrectly in your book, but my book is right. Okay. Okay, so if you don't like it, go fix okay. it. For sure. And I think it's fascinating. Okay, so I know obviously some of um, things can be taken out of context, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, just like Christian scripture out of the Quran, there are things that can happen like that too. But I'm going to read a couple of them. You know, these are some that people have found that um, are believed to not be taken out of context. Okay. Uh, And they're ones that are depicting violence specifically in the Quran. In the Quran. Okay. The Quran. When the sacred months have passed, then kill the Mashrikin, which is basically like people who believe, from what I've understood, people who believe in idols. So when they aren't worshiping anyone other than God, Allah, you know, you're listening. Mm hmm. When in the sacred months have passed, then kill the Mishrikin. Wherever you find them, capture them, besiege them, lie in wait for them in each and every ambush. <clears throat> but if they repent and perform the prayers and give zakat, then leave them uh, their way free. Kill them wherever you find them and drive them out. From where they drove you out. And what's what's persecution the verse? is worse than slaughter. But what's the verses in front of that and after that? To to set it up. I don't the 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 place I'm at is I I just I don't I can't see the Quran as a book of evil because the amount of radical terrorists coming out of it are is such a minority. Right. Yeah, but you could say it, the same thing for Christians. An, it's such an anomaly. But it's such an anomaly. So to say that. Oh, the the minority that's tra- that's uh like comprehending this book in the wrong ways and twisting twisting the meanings that they're actually the ones who are reading the Quran correctly and that the the overwhelmingly major- overwhelming majority of other people who are peaceful and also following the Quran are in the wrong. There's numbers to speak to that, you know. Yeah, but I would I would completely agree with those numbers but i would disagree with what you're saying because of the trends of christianity because of the trends yeah you have something like the bible belt correct you have people that would claim christianity but they are not living christianity and there is a very my very small group of christians around the world i think who are actually living christian lives and so the people who are doing it, I, I can. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> this one here that says, "When you meet the unbelievers, 
smite their necks. You know what I mean? Like, how could there be verses before that that would? Yeah, I, and I can totally understand you. It's just like the verses aren't gonna change my mind. You know, yeah, like I, I don't know. I would need to do a lot more research before. Well, I, yeah, you should, like really, prescri- you should really research into it. And, before and prescribing it, yeah. to a few verses to define a religion. But Craig, long time no talk. The, this is it. This is the conversation. I like it's it. It's getting warm in here. We're hitting our hour and a half <laughs> limit and it's starting to get toasty. But, I mean, truly that is the problem everyone thinks they have. And I'm including myself in this when I say everyone. Everyone thinks they have these religions figured out because they think they have an idea of what is all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. So many people think they have Christianity completely figured out, but they literally, it's, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's the same thing with Islam. It makes it easy to twist. Yeah. The world just needs Jesus. Though this from the AP, the way President Trump sees it, why go for a solid single when you can swing for a home run? Trump's upcoming summit with North Korea's Kim Jong-un is only the latest example of the president's go-big strategy, from tax reform to international trade to foreign policy. Go big. Trump has pursued a high-risk, high-reward approach that that advisors say can help produce results on long-standing problems. Who who titled it as High Reward? This is the Washington Associated Press. Bam. And that critics warn could trigger dangerous repercussions all the way from a trade war to global conflict. Drawn to big moments and bigger headlines, Trump views the North Korea summit as a legacy maker for him, believing that the combustible combination of his bombast and charm already has led to warmer relations between North and South. As he welcomed home three Americans who had been detained in North Korea, Trump, earlier Thursday, used a televised middle-of-the-night ceremony to play out both his statecraft and stagecraft. Quote, I think you probably broke the all-time-in-history television rating for three o'clock in the morning. He said that about himself. Trump told reporters on the tarmac at Joint Base Andrews. Trump has also played the disruptor's role in recent weeks and months by withdrawing the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal, imposing sweeping tariffs on allies and announcing his moving the U.S. embassy in Israel to Jerusalem, which is claimed by both Israelis and Palestinians. I'm so frustrated by the Iran deal, I don't want to get into it. It's all a sharp contrast of his play-it-safe predecessor. Quote, you hit singles, you hit doubles, every once in a while you may hit a, you may hit a home run, President Obama said of his own foreign policy. But we steadily advance the interests of the American people in our partnership with folks around the world. Not all of Trump's attention-grabbing gambits have worked, and the potential risks going forward are daunting. His push to overturn Obama's landmark health care law ended in a humiliating defeat for the Republicans. His decision to impose new tariffs on steel and aluminum imports has left global markets in a state of flux and unnerved some of America's closest allies about the potential for a trade war. And his withdrawal from the international nuclear agreement with Iran, with strong support from Israel, has escalated tensions in the already volatile region. Critics say Trump sometimes focuses on bold gestures first and fallout later. For now, scoring a diplomatic win with Pyongyang has become Trump's top focus. 
His outside-the-box approach to North Korea, complete with anonymous or ominous taunts of reigning fire and fury on the North, while belittling his leader as Little Rocket Man, alarmed many global capitals and much of Washington's national security establishment, increasing worries about nuclear war. But Trump believes it brought Kim to the negotiating table with the summit between the two men now set for June 12 in Singapore. I think it's funny that Singapore is where all the pirates got together. <clears throat> Way back. Pirate. Trump told one confidant that he now believes a deal with North Korea rather than in the Middle East could be his historic victory. White House officials also believe that a triumph on the Korean peninsula, something that has eluded the U.S. for generations, could bolster Trump's approval ratings, help inoculate him against the inv investigations swirling around him, and maybe even trickle down to help Republicans in his fall and this fall's midterm elections. While some White House aides characterize Trump's moves as evidence of bold thinking, there is also concern that he has little sense of the potential repercussions from some of his big moves, believing that if things don't work out, that he can always just reverse course. In the early months of his administration, Trump latched onto the belief that he could be the president to bring peace to the Middle East. Fond of the idea of making history, the president told advisors he was driven to accomplish something that his predecessors could not and believed his negotiating skills and strong relationship with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu could lead to the unprecedented achievement, according to, our f to four White House officials and outside advisors. Of course, no one's named, so that's good. The dissertation goes on. Mover and so, here's what, here's what I'm thinking. I think that Trump is the first politician ever, at least in the amount of time that I've been paying attention to politics, which is clearly not ever, but um, George H.W. Bush was the first president, presidential election that I was very much intrigued in. And that was in the 1988. You know, um, he is the, probably the only politician I've ever seen that seems to be doing the things that he said he would to get elected. Now, oh. I have a hard time having a problem with that when he got elected and now is doing the stuff that got him elected. Yeah. I guess I don't have a problem with that. There's some virtue. <laughs> Whether we like him or not, he's a bombastic pusher. Yeah. He's here to move. And that tends to move things. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but movement change is good, but not all change. It's a home run. My, oh, my. This is the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com on the interweb, email, gmail.com. Um, it was a heck of a time hanging out with you today, Craig. <laughs> I think we had some fun talks. On the interweb. On the Google Play Store, if you are one of those people. Spotify. Uh, no, not yet. We're working on that. That's not up yet. That's fair. But that part's... Uh, it's still new. the The podcast world in Spotify is still brand new. I've never listened to a podcast that's actually on where I found uh, two podcasts: the bad, the boy vs girl podcast, and uh, the bad Christian podcast. I found on there, and that's that's something I want to talk about. We never got into it tonight. They had a topic on there that was kind of interesting. Badchristian.com, I think, is their website. Um, but they uh, they're a group of uh, a pastor, Christians. a pastor, and oh. uh, some members of a band called Emery. They have a show where they talk about things and religion and God and band members and they swear and 
It's special. Uh-oh. It's Explicit? It is. They're trying to relate to the millennials. <laughs> no, you should you, you should listen. Just like Post Malone. Who? Post Malone. Post? Isn't that who we listened to earlier? Carl Malone? Logic. Oh, oh. Is, is that his name? No? Carl Malone. <laughs> <laughs> this is the David Allen Show. Any last words? Timestamp. Timestamp. 9.17 p.m. Thanks for coming in, guys. This is 5.10, by the way. May 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 10. May 10, 2018. Here we are. Live from the Y Millbank Podcast Studio, downtown Millbank, South Dakota. This is the David Allen Show. You'd have to be here.